Take your Bible, and we're going to read Psalms chapter 73. We'll read in Psalms this morning. Psalms chapter 73, and we will read verses 1 through verse 8. Okay, 18. Psalms 73, verses 1 through 18. Psalms 73, verses 1 through 18. And I'll read the odd verses if you'll read the even verses. And let's begin. Truly, God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no bands in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride compasseth them about as a chain, violence covereth them as a garment. Their eyes stand out with fatness, they have more than their heart could wish. They are corrupt and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walketh through the earth. Therefore his people return hither, and waters of full cup are wrung out to them. And they say, How doth God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who prosper in the world, They increase in riches. Verily, I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocency. For all the day long have I been plagued, and chastened every morning. If I say I will speak thus, behold, I should offend against the generation of thy children. When I thought to know this, it was too painful for me. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then understood I their end. Surely thou didst set them in slippery places, thou castest them down into destruction. And let's pray. God, we thank you so much, Lord, that although we may not understand what happens down here on earth, Lord, we know that you are in control. And uh, Lord, you don't want the wicked to prosper. Uh, you You are a just God, and there is judgment coming for them. And Lord, we are thankful that we get to rest in you, and I leave it to you, Lord, trust in you that that you will take care of things um, justly. And uh, Lord, we are thankful for the message this morning. I ask you, please be with preacher. Would you give him your power now? Lord, we we know you're here in presence, but Lord, would your power, your Holy Spirit, come across this auditorium, Lord. Help us to listen and pay attention to what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We Christians struggle to see life from God and the Bible's point of view, because we're sinners. Did you know it's easier to see life from our flesh because we're sinners? I know we don't mean to, but we do. Here's the sad thing. We even convince ourselves that we're right most of the time. We really do. Today I want to speak on God's behalf. If you'll allow me, by the way, I'm not God. You're glad, I'm glad, and so is the rest of the world. But I don't, uh, I don't claim to be God, but I hold in my hand God's words. Amen. And I, I want to speak on his behalf today. I, wanna, uh, I don't plan on entertaining. I'm not going to necessarily use the tool of humor much. 
But I want to defend God because I believe he deserves our best. I'm not going to preach an opinion. I'm going to preach the word of God. I want you to see what God actually says, not man. God says in Psalm 73 verse 1, Truly, God is good. Some of you ought to just take a pen and underline that statement. God is good. Can I tell you something? God is good. Let me say it again. God is good. God didn't say everything that happens to us is good. But God is good. He didn't say everything that comes to us that we were going to like. But God is good. You see, he is the not only good, but he is the source of all that is good. So God is not just good. He is the source of all goodness. By the way, God is good even when things aren't going good for us. Did you know how life treats you does not affect God at all? I know that's hard to believe. But did you know just because it's not going good for you doesn't mean God's not still good? See, God's goodness is not determined by how good life is treating me at the moment. God's goodness, listen to this, is not determined by me. God is good. Whether things are good for me or good for you or good for her, uh, (laughs) God's good no matter what. You see, I'm not God. But I know this, God is good. In Genesis chapter 3, verse number 5, don't turn there, I'll replay this for you. Satan came to the Garden of Eden where there was no sin. And he came to Eve and to Adam and said, Look, this tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, Look at it. If you eat of it, you could be like God. You could know good and evil for yourself. You won't need God's goodness. You could be good yourself. You could decide good for you. And they took and they ate and they sinned. And since that time, we've had this battle that I have to be the determining factor of good or not. Can I tell you something? You may have a heartbreak today, but God is good. You may have a disease in your body, but God is good. You may not feel well, but God is good. You may have a financial burden, but God is good because God's goodness is not determined by me. You see, sin causes us to think that we know what is good for ourselves. When things don't go our way, when we don't think they're good, listen to this statement that I've heard more times than I can count. Well, God's not fair. 
I don't understand why God, who's perfect, couldn't make it better for me. Have you ever heard that? Have you ever said that? Have you ever thought that? You see, uh, but preacher, uh, your son and daughter-in-law and your daughter and son-in-law between the two couples have lost five babies that are heaven. Is God still good? God's always been good. But how can you say that? Because God is good whether our circumstances are good or not. Our sin has caused this life to not all be good. It wasn't God that brought sin. It was the devil. It wasn't God that made us sin. It was man who chose to sin. Now listen to me very carefully here. It is not God who runs and controls every situation of life. I disagree with the concept that everything's happening exactly the way God wanted. That's not true. Because since man sinned in the Garden of Eden, we took that ability away from God and we choose to go against God. All we like sheep have gone astray and turned everyone according to his own way. Don't you say that your cancer is from God, it's from the devil. Don't you say that your heartache is from God, it's because of sin. It's not because of God. Everybody doing all right? Hang on. Some of you are mad. You're about to come unscrewed here in a second. Why do we blame God then when lost people have a better time of life than we do? The age-old question. We read it in Psalm 73. For I was envious at the foolish. Who are the foolish? The Bible says the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. When I saw the prosperity of the wicked, they are not in trouble as other men, neither are they plagued like other men. And uh, during Psalm 73, it sounds like what I hear over and over. How come good people are facing hard times? Because good people are still sinners. And all sinners are sinners. And he goes through, God goes through all these things that he has heard said. By the way, this was penned almost 3,000 years ago. And we've been saying the same thing since. God told us that man has been thinking this way for a long time. By the way, probably every person in this room at one time has looked to God and said, God... I've tried to do right. How come I'm having a hard time and those lost people are doing okay right now? Let's look at this a little closer. Number one, God made everything good. Satan brought evil and sin to the world. Turn to Genesis chapter one. God made everything good. But it was the devil who brought that which is not good to man. Genesis chapter 1, look at verse number 4. And God saw the light that it was what? Good. Huh. Look at verse number 10. And God called the dry land earth, and the, 
and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was what? Good. Good. Huh. Look at verse number 12. And the earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind and tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Good. Huh. Look at verse number 18. And to rule over the day and over the night, to divide the light from the darkness, and God saw that it was good. good. Hmm. Look at verse 21. And God created great whales, every living creature that moveth, which uh, the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl of his kind, and God saw that it was good. Wow. Look at verse 25. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Look at verse number 31. God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was what? Very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Now look at me. When God created the earth, he created, created everything that was good. Did you know that there was nothing that wasn't good on the face of the earth until man listened to the devil? So don't you blame God for things that are not good. God only did that which was good. He is the source of all good. Truly, God is good. God saw man needing a wife. And then, <laughs> yes, oh, amen. He didn't make another man for, for man. He made a woman for a man. Genesis chapter 2, 18 says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that a man should be alone. I will make an help meet for him. God saw that man needed something and it was not good for man to be alone. God didn't just give him a friend. He gave him a companion, a helpmeet, a woman. You say, why? Because two men on the same earth in the same room ain't going to have a good thing come out. You see, God saw that it was not good, and then God made something that was good for man. He called it woman. You say, why did God call it woman? Because when Adam woke up, he said, whoa, man. <laughs> Gomer Pyle hadn't been there. Shazam! <laughs> Now, I want you to notice something, though. It was good for man and woman. It wasn't until Satan entered in Genesis chapter 3 that Satan comes to Adam and Eve and says, Oh, you don't need to listen to God. You could eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And therefore, you could decide good for yourself. Reminds me of the verse in Judges that says, Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You see, man knew nothing but good 
until the moment he sinned. And at the moment man sinned, he said, "Uh uh-oh, this is not good. Adam and Eve looked at one another and said, whatever we just did wasn't good. And that was the first time that man ever saw something that was not good. And he had to hide himself. He sewed fig leaves together to cover himself. God came down and said, Adam, where art thou? And he said, I'm hiding. He said, why are you hiding? He said, because we're naked. He said, who told you? Did you disobey? And Adam continues to sin. He looked at the God of heaven and said, well, the woman that you gave me, she made me do it. She, he not only blamed her, but blamed God for giving her to him. The woman that thou gavest me, she made me do it. And we've been blaming everybody else for our wrongdoing since. Because of sin, man thinks he can determine good. And that he should be the determination if God is being good or not. May I just say something on behalf of God today? God is good. God's good, Brother Jim. Yes, it is. Brother Steve, God's good. Uh, Brother Josh, God's good. Brother Brian, came in on two crutches, but God's good. Uh, Miss Judy, having heart troubles. God's good. I could go throughout this whole room and show you some of the heartaches, griefs, and burdens people have in this room, but God is still good. Jamie, you got Scott, but God's still good. (laughs) Uh, Can I tell you something? God's good all the time. It doesn't matter whether it's sunshine or rain, God is good. Doesn't matter if you're feeling good or feeling like death warmed over. God's still good. Doesn't matter if things are right as uh, can be financially or you can't see the way out. God's still good. See, God's goodness is not determined by, by how it affects you. You see, we have to make, make ourselves realize we're not God. Therefore, we don't have the right to tell God what's good and what's not. By the way, if it's not going good, it wasn't God's fault. He didn't sin, you did. Everybody doing okay? Why do we want to blame God for the lack of goodness because we're sinners? Well, God, the woman thou gavest me, she made me do it. We're just as bad as Adam. We really are. So... God made everything good. Did you know for that period of time from creation until Satan entered and man yielded to Satan, man knew nothing but what God's goodness was. All he ever knew was how good God is. Folks, I wish you 
We sang the song earlier this morning, count your many blessings, not your aches and pains, not how many pills you had to take, not how bad the bank account was, not how far dead I am in, not how many enemies I have, but count your blessings. See, all those other things are due to sin, not due to God. Say, but preacher, you, you don't understand. <laughs> Let me tell you something, dear Christian. You don't understand. God is good. God's goodness is not determined by you or by me. God is good no matter what. Amen. Used to be God's good all the time. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Next. We are foolish and beastly when we start wanting what the world has. Look at uh, verse number three. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Skip down to verse 22. So foolish was I and ignorant, I was as a beast before thee. Now, what does that mean? A beast. That's an animal. Yeah, it means Aaron. Uh, no, uh, the word beast there means animal. An animal is a body and a soul, but does not have a spirit. And when we start looking at what the world has, we are not looking through a spiritual eye. We're looking through a body and a soul, not through a spirit. How can wicked people have so much money. The Nancy Pelosi's. Should I go on? Say, but preacher, how can they prosper? It's not fair. Oh, hang on. When you look at it in your body, or you look at it through your own mind, or through your own soul that is sinful, you could say that. But when you look at it from God's point of view, you won't say that. You see, <laughs> we want what we see. We're envious at the wicked. They drive nicer cars. They have bigger houses and more of them. They get insider trading information and make money from us. That's okay. God doesn't always pay on Friday, but God always pays. <clears throat> We're in the flesh. The spirit is absent. Please don't take this the wrong way, but why do we want to compare ourselves to that? Why do we want to compare ourselves to a bank account? Why do we want to compare ourselves to some filthy, vile pervert of Hollywood? Or some sports hero that's fathered 50 kids from 50 different women? Look at all the money they made. Yeah, and when they die, where's it going to be? You see, we look at it like an animal and we're, we're envying what they have in their body and in their flesh. But what do they have spiritually? We need to get our eyes off the world. We need to get our eyes 
off the world and on to what God has for us. Take your Bible, turn to 1 John chapter 2. All the way to the back of your Bible, almost to the book of Revelation. You can go to the last book of the Bible and turn back a few pages. You'll be at 1 John. 1 John chapter 2. May I read a few verses to you here? I'm about to shout. 1 John chapter 2, look at verse number 15. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the what? Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of, but is of the world. And the world, what's the next two words? Do you know what you use that term for when somebody dies? The world dies, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Now look at me for a second. They may have their money, but it's going to pass away. They may have their popularity, but it's going to pass away. They may have all the glitz and glamour and the attention of the world, but it's going to pass away. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Can I tell you something? If you're saved, our life is out of this world. Literally. He gave us eternal life. When we are dead and our trespasses and sins, we're living in eternal death. Matter of fact, God says, and I said this in Sunday school in my class, God says when we die, we pass from death to life, not life to death. What we call life, God calls death. Did you know that time here on earth is the measure of death? My brother's birthday was yesterday. I wished him a happy 60th birthday and hoped he made it another year. We joked a little bit. But we measure our years. We call it how many years have you lived? No, it's how many years are, have you been dying? Because when we get to heaven, guess what? There is no death. There'll be no need to measure our years because it's eternity. And we measure our time because of how close the proximity to death we get. Brother Jim, you're 91? Something like you forget. (laughs) I believe I'm right. 91. That means he's 91 years closer to death. Just like I'm 50, none of your business. Six years closer to death. Shut up. I'm also smarter. That doesn't take much. Now, uh, James chapter 1, verse number 13. Just back a few pages. James chapter 1, verse number 13. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own what? Lust. Desire. What I want. 
and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Look at me. Can I tell you something? You'll live a longer, happier life if you quit wanting things. You really will. The more you want, the more enslaved you become. It amazes me how we have to have certain things that sit on a shelf and you use them one time at best. But you had to have it and you're still paying the price for it. Am I doing all right? I feel like I'm on an island all by myself. How foolish we sinners are to think, to think that things will make us happy. Can I tell you something? When you're on your deathbed, the things of this earth are going to be pretty bleak. They really are. The amount of money in the bank account isn't going to matter. How nice of a car you have sitting in the garage that you can't drive isn't going to matter. Oh, I'm not saying it's wrong to have a nice house. I'm not saying it's wrong to have money in the bank. But if all you live for are those things when you die, you're going to be pretty disappointed. God didn't say money was bad. He said the love of money is the root of evil. I believe God wants us to have the nicest things we can have, but we don't, shouldn't have to be in debt up over our head to do it. Are we doing all right? Okay, hang in there. But we want too much. We really do. We want too much. Well, I got to have this. The new phones are coming out, and I got to spend a thousand dollars to get a new phone, or I got to have a new computer, I got to have a faster computer, and I've got to have this, and I've got to buy this, and I've got. Yeah, folks, the, the word I've got to needs to be removed from your vocabulary. Because you can survive without a lot of things you do have. It's amazing to me. We're so foolish and so beastly that we start looking at what other people have. Can I tell you something? A pretty face can end up in divorce court just like an ugly person can. Everybody doing okay? Uh, it amazes me that the, the world trades people and spouses... Like we used to trade baseball cards. Good grief. Can I tell you something? Uh, a new person isn't going to change how stupid you are. <laughs> you know, if, if you didn't get it right the first six times, thereafter you're not going to be much better at it. There is a common denominator well, I just don't pick real well. You could have just said, I have a problem. Yes. Everybody doing all right? It amazes me how foolish we get. Listen to this statement. I've met a lot of wealthy people that wish they had what we have. <laughs> <laughs> 
Because all they have is money and things. They don't have real relationships. Dr. Russell Anderson was my dear friend. He's been here at our church. Dr. Anderson gave tens and tens and tens and tens of millions of dollars for the cause of Christ all over this world. No telling how many millions of people will be in heaven due to Dr. Anderson. He came out here. He knew we were going to build. And he said, Brother Bush, I want to give you some money. I said, I won't take it. He said, but brother, I said, no, I'm not going to take it. I said, Doc, please do me a favor. Pray and ask God to provide miracles for us, but I don't want your money. I want to love you because I love you, not because of what you could give me. I said, I really don't want your money. I want you. He said, are you sure? I said, I am. He said, all right. He'd come back and he'd say, do you need me to give money? I said, did God tell you to give it? He said, no. I said, then I don't need it. You see, I have friends who have wealth, but I never ask them for it. There's been two billionaires standing behind in, in this building. One of them called me one day and said, whatever you need, I can write a check for it. And I said, I won't tell you what I need. I'll tell God. And if God tells you to do something, he'll tell you what to put on that check. If not, you can keep your check. I'd rather God provide than me to give in to what the devil has and say, this is what I want. Because I don't know what I need. God does. Amen. Twice I've been offered an open check, put on it whatever amount I asked for. Brother Wiley wouldn't do it. You say, why? I'd rather pray it down bit by bit. Rather see God work. Rather see God use it through his people and us get the miracle the way God wants us to get it. Say, that's not normal, preacher. That's God's point of view, not man's point of view. I wonder how many of us would have just jumped at that. Now, in my heart, as a human, hang up the phone and say, you're an idiot. And get alone with God and say, but God, I did it your way. It's your work. You take care of it. And I thank God he did. Oh, we had many struggles. But it sure is good to know God's doing it, not me. Everybody doing all right? You see, how foolish we are when we start looking at what the world has. One of those men flew here, spent one morning here, one, one day here, flew in on a $5 million plane that he owned, piloted by somebody else with a crew, paid them to come here and sit in the airplane and wait for him to get done with us that day and fly him back. Had more money than he knows how to spend. Craig, what do you need? 
I tell God. If God wants you to do something, he'll tell you. I'm not going to tell you. Say, but preacher. No, God's good. God's good. Number three. Let me review. God made everything good. Satan brought evil to the world. We are so foolish and beastly when we start wanting what the world has, we have to realize we're looking through our flesh and our our own soul, not through the spirit. Number three, are you ready? We need to learn to live for eternity, not now. We need to learn to live for eternity, not for this life. Go back to Psalm 73 where we started. We read this verse, but I don't know that we grasp the importance of it. Now look at me for a second. God starts by saying truly, God is good. And then we, but God, it's not fair. Lost people have it better than your kids. God, I see the prosperity of the wicked and God, uh, I, I want what they have, and it's not fair that they have things that I don't have. And we go through all this list, all the way down Psalm 73, and we get to verse number 17. Until I went into the sanctuary of God. There, or then, understood I their end. Can I tell you something? The sanctuary is not the auditorium. This room is not a sanctuary. The sanctuary is where the presence of God dwelt. The presence of God for the believer is your body. And when you commune with God, you are in the sanctuary. Now listen to this statement. When I got alone with God, And he and I were talking, Brother Anthony. He showed me that they might have their money and they might have their things and they might have their popularity, but when they die, they're going to die and go to hell. Do I really want what they have? That doesn't mean every rich person is going to die and go to hell. But the Bible talks about the wicked. Psalm 73, look at verse 28. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all thy works. Brother Aaron, could you move that thing in the aisle there for me real quick? It's got my attention and it's bothering me. It's not his fault, it's my fault. Anyway, uh, I want you to notice, when you get alone with God, you have to be spiritual. And when we look at life through a spiritual view, we start seeing the end of the wicked isn't as good as what they think it is. (coughs) Go ahead, Nancy Pelosi. Go ahead, Uh, Elon Musk. Go ahead, George Soros. 
Spend your money. Enjoy it. Continue to do evil, Hollywood. Continue to be arrogant, sports heroes. Think you live above the law. Go ahead, entertainment crowd. But when I get alone with my God, and I understand my bank account's not what yours is, (laughs) but I also understand my eternity's not what yours is. Did you know to put money away for savings? You have to not spend everything that you have. And you put it away for a later time. And you invest it for later. And you put more away. And you put more away. And you don't buy as much now so that you have the wherewithal to be comfortable later. That's the way it's supposed to work. Most people today, if they had to retire, don't have enough pennies to rub together to make it two months. They really don't. Can I tell you why? (laughs) They're envious at the wicked. I was out working in my yard one day, years ago. My neighbor knew I was a pastor, and they said, you don't make a whole lot of money, do you? And I said, nope, I don't. They said, well, what kind of retirement plan do you have? (laughs) Brother Kevin, I was on my hands and knees digging in the dirt. And I looked up at him and I said, my retirement benefit package is out of this world. They said, really? What is it? I said, they said, oh, Turned around, walked away. Can I tell you something? I may not have it now, but my retirement package is out of this world. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door. And I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Guess what? This world's just for me to pass through. This is just the launching pad. This is kind of like Kennedy Space Center. We're sitting in the rocket ready to go. Amen? Just like the fuse, let's take off. You see, when we get a view of the eternal things in the sanctuary of God, what this world has to offer is pretty, pretty sad. Isn't it amazing? <laughs> I probably shouldn't say this. I'm, I'm not being critical. So don't say I'm preaching to you. i got my eyes closed. I wonder how many thousands of dollars people spend on tattooing. Do they not realize when they get Brother Jim's age what that thing's going to look like? <laughs> that pretty girl you got on your arm is going to be a wrinkly old thing. <laughs> Gonna look like a raisin. Amen? <laughs> we, we, we're so stupid. Man, look at all this. You know, I'm thinking, y'all are dumb. 
And they think I'm the dumb one? Well, all you do is go to church. You just talk about Jesus. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. Hey, God's good. When you get along with God and you realize what their end is and what your end could be, we've got everything to look forward to. You see, when you get a view of the eternal, the temporary doesn't matter a whole lot. Matter of fact, God says in Psalm 73 verse 18, Surely thou didst set them in slippery places. Have you ever heard the term living on thin ice? I've walked on thin ice. It's not fun. Buddy of mine, I was about 17, 16, 17 years old. A friend of mine, John, and I were out hunting at the farm. Rabbit hunting. Cold Ohio day. Snow all, the ponds were frozen over and snow everywhere. We come walking across the lake. We got probably 40 or 50 feet from shore and my buddy went, pew! And all I could see was his shoulders and his gun. Craig! Now, I was born at night, but not last night. I said, I ain't going over there. I said, the closer I get to you, the more chance I'm going to have of falling in. I said, just, I said, just keep working it. I said, push your gun towards me, and I'll grab your gun. He slid his gun towards me. I took two steps, Brother Scott. Down I went. Right through the ice. I'm up to my armpits in water. 20 minutes we struggled breaking through trying to get up and out on the ice. Picked up his gun along the way. And it's about a three quarters of a mile walk back to the car. It's 24 degrees, 22 degrees outside and we're soaking wet all the way to the skin. Two layers of clothes. I said keep everything on but keep walking. We walked all the way back. Our jeans were frozen solid. By the time we got back, we were walking like this. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I looked at him and said, John, take everything off that's legal to take off. <laughs> he said, but I said, no, take everything off. I had the car running full blast on heat. We threw everything in the trunk except what was not legal to take off. Got in the car and shivered and shook the whole way home and drove home as quick as we could legally. Say, what happened? Well, we were walking on thin ice. Didn't realize, we didn't think about the fact that where we were walking is right where the spring that fed that lake was coming through. And all that water was warmer underneath there. Figured it out, didn't walk through that part of the lake ever again, Amen. Wait a minute, God says the world's walking on thin ice. And all the things that they have, eventually, they're going to fall. But we have a sure foundation. Steadfast and sure. His name is Jesus. (laughs) Do you realize for the lost, this is the best they're ever going to have? Did you know that this is the worst we'll ever have? 
what they call the best. This is the worst for us. Let them have it. Let them have the extra money and the good times. Let them have the popularity and let them have the things of this world. But give me Jesus. The eternal riches of his glory. God wants us to get a view from his vantage point. How about we quit looking at all the things of the world around us and say, it's not fair, preacher. It's not right. I I don't understand why God's allowed. Oh, no, 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 no. You're looking from the wrong side. Are you saved? If you died, do you know for sure you're going to heaven? Well, guess what? Bless God. Anything this side of hell is pretty good. I'd I'd rather be on my way to heaven poor than on my way to hell rich. We have the word of God. We have the truths of the word of God that we can live our life. We can see God work in our lives. We have the Holy Spirit of God that moved in the moment we got saved. And you want to complain? Please don't take that the wrong way. We all have problems. (laughs) By the way, Not until the millennium will this world see God's goodness again when Jesus sits on the throne. And he will bring back the goodness of God leading this world because God made it good. It's the devil who takes the goodness away, not God. How about we quit blaming God? Truly, God is good. If it's not God, if it's not good, guess who brought it? It wasn't God. So let's quit blaming God for the things that are not good because God is good. How about we get our eyes off what the world has and realize what eternity holds? My paycheck might not be that big. But my retirement benefits are out of this world. You may not have an easy time at your job, but can I tell you something? When this old carcass gives out, it's going to be all right. Miss Loretta was thinking of Brother Jimbo. Eating up with cancer on the inside. In his stomach and in his throat. Every breath he took, you could actually hear the cancer rattling in his throat. I walked in the day before or so he died. Brother Jimbo, how you doing? I'm doing good, preacher. How about you? I said, Brother Jimbo, you're close to heaven. He said, that's why it's so good. He said, I know where I'm going. I said, Brother Jimbo, you're probably, unless something happens, going to make it there before me. I said, would you do two things for me? What you need, preacher? I said, first of all, would you give my mama a hug for me? I'll do it, preacher. I said, then would you find Jesus and give him a hug and tell him I love him? 
and tell him, keep blessing our church. Oh, I'll do it, preacher. He said, anything else? I said, yeah. He said, what's that, preacher? I said, why don't you pick me out a good spot and build me a good tree stand? <laughs> he said, I'm putting mine up first, though. I said, all right. <laughs> that was Jimbo. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Can I tell you something? He had a glimpse of heaven. Uh, Jimbo understood the things of this earth didn't mean as much as what was to come. Maybe. We ought to realize if we're on our way to heaven, it doesn't matter what this world has. Maybe we ought to realize that some of these people that think they got it all Got the world by the tail. That thing's going to come around and bite them one day and they're not going to wake up where they thought they would. Maybe we just ought to be satisfied with what we got. Maybe we ought to quit looking at the things of the world and love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Maybe we ought to quit envying the wicked and their prosperity. And let's just do it God's way. Say, but preacher, did you know the tombstone doesn't tell how much you're worth? Did you know the same six foot of ground is going to cover the wealthy person as well as the homeless person? Book of Ecclesiastes says, so the rich man dies as the fool. The wealthy man as the one in poverty. Kings die, paupers die. Princes die, queens die. People with no title at all die. One event happeneth to them all. Maybe we ought not be so concerned about our things and everybody else's things. <laughs> well, I just, I've got to take care of my health. I'm for you to take care of your health, but guess what? Healthy people die too. Because we're all going to die. Quit worrying about it. Maybe we just ought to look at it from God's point of view. Because the world is walking on slippery places. But we don't have to walk that way. Every head bowed, every eye closed, I'm done. Let's not live for slippery places. Let's live for the sure foundation 